This is an AMI podcast. I'm Joyita Gupta, and this is The Pulse. Parasport provides opportunities for members of the disability community to participate in both recreational and competitive sport. This is life-changing. It's especially true for anyone with a recent injury or disability. Parasport opens up the chance to do new and interesting things and push the envelope on what we consider possible. But with that said, it's always a coup when a city gets the chance to host a high-profile event like the Paralympics or the Invictus Games. Obviously, it's a win for athletes and spectators, but it goes beyond that. These events often provide a badly needed nudge to improve accessibility for disabled residents in host cities. Ferris sport games leave behind a legacy of access. Today, we discuss the 2025 Vancouver Invictus Games. It's time to put your finger on the pulse. Hello and welcome to The Pulse on AMI-audio. I'm Chuita Gupta. You may have heard or maybe you haven't heard, but the bid for the 2025 Invictus Games has been awarded quite recently to Vancouver and Whistler, British Columbia, in partnership with the True Patriot Love Foundation. My guest for the first half of the program is Nick Booth, who is the CEO of the foundation and someone who is instrumental in bringing the games to Vancouver and Whistler. Today, Nick joins us from Toronto. Hello, and welcome to the program. It's so great that you could join us today. Thank you, Joey. I really appreciate the opportunity to share a little bit more about the exciting journey we're about to go on. Indeed, and you're just getting back from The Hague, I take it, uh, where we've just wrapped up the 2022 Games. How are you feeling? Uh, I just flew back in last night, so I'm just about uh, over my jet lag, but it was a wonderful week. I had if um, you know listeners have been able to see any of the games or have experienced it, it was in, obviously in Canada in 2017 and began uh, in London in 2014. And it really is a life-changing experience. I think it's most definitely life-changing and in some cases life-saving for the participants. And I've had athletes who told me that they're alive because of the Invictus Games. In fact, the Invictus Games Foundation did a survey in the Hague last week and one in 10 of the athletes taking part said that they may well have taken their own lives if they hadn't been for Invictus. But beyond just the participants, you know, it's very inspiring for families to be able to share in that recovery journey and for the public to watch the impact of sport on the disability community and to see how, you know, powerful taking part once again for your nation in a game like Inv- games like Invictus is for that that. You know, the, the long and often quite painful journeys of recovery that our ill and injured service members go through. How much work is involved in putting in a successful bid? And I guess I should ask you, you know, how you feel about Vancouver and Whistler being awarded the 2025 Games. How significant is that? Well, we're thrilled. Um, it was an honour as Chief Executive of True Page at Love to lead the bid process. So we've been working on it for the best part of two years, both uh, initially doing a feasibility assessment of where in Canada would you do the Games, and Vancouver Whistler was the clear winner of that. And partly that's because of the facilities that it has that you know uh, were developed for the 2010 Olympics and Paralympics, and it really has a, a strong sport legacy. 
But then it was a very competitive process. So we were up against eight cities originally, um, shortlisted last summer down to three against two strong American bids. And so we were thrilled when we found out just a couple of weeks ago that we'd been successful. Um, so it's been a lot of hard work, but worthwhile. And now more hard work begins as we, uh, <laughs> as we think forward to planning the games in under three years' time. What would you say will be unique about the 2025 Games? Is there something there that will be new that we haven't seen before from the Invictus Games? Yes. Uh, so the Invictus Games has been a wonderful journey. There have been five so far. There's one more planned in Dusseldorf. And as I said, they really are life-impacting for the participants and their families. But they've all had fairly similar uh, sport offerings. And they've all been in the summer. And we know from both uh, other programs that we've funded and also from academic research that the adaptive winter sports are particularly good for people with disabilities that allow them to carry on their journeys of recovery year round. And so the bid that we put in for 2025 was the uh, was and will be the first ever winter games for the Invictus mm -hmm. movement. So it's set for February 2025 and we'll be taking... Um, five of the most popular existing sports that uh, are in the Invictus Games that you can do in the winter. So wheelchair basketball, wheelchair rugby, sitting volleyball, uh, swimming and indoor rowing. And we'll be adding to those four new disciplines that bring in the inspiring winter um, surroundings of British Columbia and the chance to do uh, new snow and ice sports for athletes for the first time. So alpine downhill skiing at, up in Whistler, um, cross-country Nordic skiing at Callaghan Valley, wheelchair curling, and then uh, sliding, probably skeleton, at the um, at the sliding centre in Whistler. So we're we're really excited to have the chance to do the first ever Winter Invictus Games, and um, hopefully will lead to an expansion of the movement, maybe bringing other athletes, maybe even other nations that haven't taken part before. Mm. How many nations uh, and athletes do you anticipate, or is it too early to say? We've created a budget that allows for 550. Um, there are typically around 500 athletes who go to an Invictus Games. Um, there were 17 nations in The Hague last week. There are 20 who've been in one of the games so far. And we know that there are other nations um, that are joining the Invictus movement. And sadly, of course, different nations around the world are in areas of conflict or members of their military are suffering uh, life-changing injuries. So this is not a problem that's that gone away. And obviously, last week, it was particularly moving to have the Ukrainian team with us in The Hague. I think everybody was surprised that they managed to get there but uh, they'd been mm -hmm. given special permission by President Zelensky to join in fact he did a video message for the team while they were in The Hague um, and they just got an extraordinary reception um, and so as different nations come in you know there's a very strong community in Victors those men and women that take part often stood alongside one another in different combat zones around the world and now you know share their recovery journey together and it's always really inspiring to see how they support one another even if it's not just about winning a medal it's also about helping each person on their own recovery journey and that might simply be being at Invictus might simply be taking part is a huge step forward in the, from often the dark places that they find themselves. 
you know, it's fair to say that there are barriers facing all people with disabilities, but I think it is reasonable to say that there are some unique uh, circumstances around being a disabled veteran and the particular experiences that a disabled veteran may have. How do the, the Invictus Games, in your opinion, help highlight some of those unique barriers or experiences? No, Jody, you're absolutely correct. There are many people in the disability community globally who um, can use sport as part of their own and either journeys, if those have been um, injuries that they may have suffered or um, chance to take full part in sports, you know, irrespective of whether they're um, challenges that they were born with. And Invictus can be inspiring for people, and we hear that, that often, even if you're not a member of the military, seeing, you know, that camaraderie, those um journeys of recovery that the athletes go and can be very inspiring for all people who may um, have uh, physical or invisible um, challenges and mm-hmm. so I think it's very important that we continue to to give a profile for Invictus but point out that it, that sport for recovery and sport for inclusion is not just something that affects the military. We're hoping through Invictus 2025 to work closely, for example, with the We the 15 movement, which I'm sure you saw was launched recently in Tokyo, you know, to use sport to reach out to um, the disability community globally. And actually, I think it inspires inclusion more broadly that that just the the wider civilian population see beyond the injury. They don't just see a person who may be using a wheelchair or have a prosthetic, but actually see them as the person they were before injury or Mm. they see them as as an athlete or as a competitor. And the fact that they they have a physical or an invisible challenge um, is actually just part of who they are. And it's... um, and it's it's great to build that wider connection between the, the watching public and the games. Yeah, one of the things that you said before that struck me was how Vancouver and Whistler were considered suitable candidates because of their um, facilities. But I'm I'm curious about the aftermath of the games and whether you think that this will help to improve accessibility in Vancouver and Whistler and other places where the games will be held uh, for everybody who lives there as a result of hosting the Invictus Games. Do you think that that kind of a legacy, a more inclusive legacy for the people who actually live in the city is also possible? Yes, I hope so. And we're delighted to be partnering with the Rick Hansen Foundation. Um, They were part of the bid document that we submitted and we've been working closely with the team at the foundation um, and indeed with Rick himself. And so, you know, we'll be doing a full assessment of all the venues in the run-ups to the games over the coming couple of years and where we need to make um, adaptations we will do. But Vancouver and Whistler are particularly, I think, you know, well-placed because of having staged the Paralympic Games and certainly certain other cities that we considered uh, were less well-equipped um, to stage a major sporting event for people who may have um, specific mobility challenges, for example. Um, and, and even things like the airport, you know, when we did the assessment mm. of, of Vancouver Airport, it, it, is, it prides itself on its inclusiveness, both for accessibility and also even things like audio and and visual Mm -hmm. challenges that some people may have so we've been impressed um, throughout our process with the city it doesn't mean that everything's perfect Um, and say we'll be working with with all the major stakeholders within the games to to build out that um, that legacy piece so that people irrespective of their background if they're military or not can enjoy sport going forward 
Now, I know that Toronto isn't Vancouver, and I would never make that claim. But it is fair to say, you know, it is it is worth noting that Toronto did host the Invictus Games in 2017. And so I'm wondering if there's been some learning between 2017 and uh, things that you might have learned in 2017 in Toronto that could be applied to the 2025 Games. Yes, uh, and one of the things that the Invictus is quite good at is, um, is sharing knowledge between the games. Um, so we've certainly got the knowledge translation report from Toronto. And in fact, one of the reasons why I was in The Hague last week, in addition to making the, the announcement, and I was, had the privilege of being on stage with Prince Harry for the announcement, um, was also to go behind the scenes and look at how The Hague has run the games. And I'll be going to Dusseldorf next year for the 2023 games so we'll be taking as much learning as we can from the uh, all of the previous Invictus games and the ones coming up so that we can make the 2025 games as successful as inclusive as possible and not just I think also we're saying Joey it's not just the two weeks of the games and it's really mm. important that people don't see Invictus just as uh, as 10 days of sport because uh, it, it's very popular. And so we know that many people put their hand up to go to the games who can't get in their national teams. And in Canada, you know, there were um, uh, far more people applied to get in the team than could go. Um, and I'm always very conscious that we need to make sure that we fund programs that help them with their recovery, even if it's not Invictus. And then also when they come back, you know, we hear quite a lot, and certainly we heard this post-Toronto. I was involved in the London Games way back in 2014, and we heard it then. You know, it's a wonderful thing to represent your country again. You know, you've worn the uniform in the military, and then sometimes that's taken away from you because of injury or illness. Um, and actually to put the uniform, even if it's a sport uniform, of Canada back on and represent your country again is, is an inspiring thing. But when you come home, you're still, in many cases, carrying those physical or invisible challenges. And it's very important that there's adaptive programming uh, available for people um, in different communities and in different sports to allow those journeys to carry on. And it, you don't just go back to... Uh, a situation of not being able to participate. So one of the things that we've said in our bid is that we'll be working with the national and provincial sports organizations to build out adaptive sports programming year round in order that mm -hmm. uh, competitors both in Canada and then through our work with the participating nations in other parts of the world too can carry on those um, recovery journeys long after the Games. Nick, congratulations. It sounds like you're very excited about this and it sounds like it's been the culmination of a lot of hard work and, you've, as you mentioned, a lot of hard work yet to come. But thank you very much for talking to us about the 2025 Invictus Games today. Thank you. And anyone who's interested, please do get in touch. And We'll be you know, relying on a lot of volunteers and a lot of community support as we get closer to the game. So love to have your listeners involved and um, make this a, a truly memorable experience for Vancouver and Whistler. We heard from Nick Booth, who is the chief executive officer of the True Patriot Love Foundation. We're talking about uh, the fact that Vancouver and Whistler, British Columbia, were recently awarded the 2025 Invictus Games. I am now joined by Major Patrick Levy. Major Levy has served as a Canadian infantry officer in many locations across the country. In 2001, he served in Bosnia and has twice served in Afghanistan. After acquiring a disability, Patrick competed in wheelchair racing, 
hand cycling and wheelchair basketball as part of Canada's Invictus teams and was has just returned from The Hague. So welcome and thank you so much for joining us on the program. You must be exhausted from all of that traveling. Well, thank you very much for the invitation. Um, I was exhausted at the end of the week. Uh, I actually participated in other sports uh, mm. because of uh, COVID uh, uh, that affected some of our members and conflicts within the, the certain members uh, schedule so they had to recruit other players to participate in other sports which i volunteered and i enjoyed them oh you did oh that's uh, quite interesting so how many events did you end up participating in then at when, when you were at the hague in the wheelchair racing there's four uh, events uh, four distances 100 200 400 and 1500 that was over two days the first two days of the uh the the um, the games, and at the same time I was asked to play volleyball, sit down volleyball, which was new to me and uh, a little bit difficult with my disability, uh, but I still uh, helped the team out. Had a great time. Uh, I had short rest, and I actually did um, indoor rowing. Uh, I had switched from hand cycling to indoor rowing uh, because back in December. I was recruited by the uh, next generation uh, para development team, a uh, para rowing development team in Victoria. So I decided to do some rowing since then. And because uh, there was an indoor rowing event at the Invictus Games, I said, why not put my training to good use? Mm-hmm. So that's why indoor rowing at the Invictus Games. And uh, then the rugby, wheelchair rugby team was short, a few players. So I, I, I participated with the team there for uh, two games. And uh, last, I uh, finished off with uh, wheelchair basketball, where we played three games. Oh, I have to tell you, just listening to you is making me tired. So I applaud <laughs> your stamina. Uh, tell me a little bit about why parasport has been so important to you. Uh, prior to my disability, I, I was active. I used to play competitive soccer and uh, loved skiing, snowboarding, all sorts of sports. And following my disability, uh, I can no longer use uh, one leg to do any running sports or standing sports. So I, I, I had to find alternatives. So I found adaptive sports or wheelchair sports or sit-down sports, uh, which uh, is kind of my lifeline. Uh, I thought my life would have been totally different uh, not being able to do sports, but there is a, an opportunities out there to remain active. A lot of people say that, especially when they have a disability that they didn't, you know, anticipate or see coming, they end up feeling really overwhelmed by it um, and wondering how they're going to live out the rest of their lives. Yes, Did you definitely. find in any way that being involved with all of this parasport helped you find other people who were going through the same thing? And was that of any help to you? Uh, definitely. Um, because your, your social life changes completely. You have new friends. Mm-hmm that do similar sports to you, uh, new, new circle. Um, but uh, following my surgery, I had to go through rehabilitation and recovery, which took a while. So I, I had not started sports before, uh, almost six months after my surgery. And during that six months, I found it very difficult not being able to go out and see my friends and uh, or make new friends because mm. it was a totally different uh, environment. You know, one of the things they say about sports is about the the community aspect of it and meeting people. But uh, let's be honest, how important is winning to you? 
um, actually, uh, just arriving at the at the start line, I had already won. Uh, going to the Invictus Games, it's it's about the journey, the the the, the training towards it, and and getting better uh, through sports. So just getting being invited to go, uh, I, I was uh, excited. I was pleased, uh, and then at the start line, I was nervous. Uh, but uh, the the training that I did was fruitful because uh, I, I did some satisfactory results. I guess uh, I, I surpassed my uh, personal bests. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's amazing. You're not someone who's afraid of trying new things. Uh, you know, just in talking about wheelchair, you know, volleyball and things like that. You you you're not someone who backs down from an opportunity. With the 2025 games, it's the first time they're introducing winter sports in the Invictus Games. Are you looking forward to competing in some of the new Alpine events? I would love to. We we do have to uh, submit our nominations to 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 be accepted on the team. And within the Canadian Forces, uh, serving and veterans, uh, there are numerous ill and injured serving members and veterans that are asking that opportunity to participate. Uh, when I did find out that there were a possibility of winter sports, uh, actually in The Hague, there was a, a company that was demonstrating sit-down skiing and uh, that are able to ski on a rolling uh, treadmill, like a huge platform. And I tried it out and I loved it. So I would love to continue training in downhill or sit sit down skiing uh, for these games. And do you think that um, it'll make a difference to just people with disabilities who live in Vancouver and live in Whistler to have these games taking place in about three years time? Um, there, there, there are organizations uh, within the BC uh, on the island and mainland uh, that help out with um, winter sports. Um, it, it, I, I, the games, I think, will do some good publicity for these companies or these organizations to get the word out for anyone to, to be able to partake in these, these sports. Mm-hmm. Do you think that they will also help to raise the issue of uh, greater supports for veterans, especially uh, Canadian veterans, those who've served in Afghanistan, as you have? Uh, there are groups that feel that more could be done. Uh, what's your take on it? Do games, do events like the Invictus Games uh, raise the issues in any way? Even here in The Hague, um, I did meet up with some locals and uh, they were not aware until the games uh, of what what it was about and uh how service members, uh, ill and injured, have an opportunity to, to, to become better through sport. So uh, in Canada, um, I guess it would just be with the good uh, communications to get the word out to the, the mm-hmm. population of what these teams are about and how different organizations help us out and how these organizations require support through funding. That's a good point. But what about you? Are you planning to take place in the next games, the ones that are scheduled to take place in Dusseldorf? Uh, are you planning to participate? Are you starting to train already? Oh, definitely. Um, we actually have to submit our nominations by May 1st. So that's oh, wow. uh, this week. Uh, yes, uh, in order to participate in a workup training or uh, a training camp, which is happening this summer and in August. Um, at the Warrior Games, which is held by the U.S. Army in Orlando, 
so that's a kind of a selection and a training camp for our team. Some of the events will remain the same. So uh, I will be submitting my nomination and uh, continue training in the events that I have already competed in. You know, one of the things that I've noticed, because I've covered a couple of these uh, of international sporting events, never never participated, I'm too lazy, but uh, in having covered them, I've noticed how really uh, global it is. And you have this wonderful opportunity to meet people, in your case, servicemen and women from all over the world. What is that opportunity like for you? I've actually created some nice bonds with the members from Australia and France that I competed against. And uh, we we all have a few things in common. We're all serving members, uh, either still serving or retired, and uh, suffer from a, a challenge in life, uh, either due, uh, due to illness, injury, or disability. So there's that bond. And we actually will continue uh, communicating. Uh, and in the future, we might compete against each other again in either international forum or next Invictus Games. I have to ask you, and you'll forgive me for being something of a gossip, but did you have a chance to run into Prince Harry and Meghan Markle? And if you did, what are they like in in, in real life? Um, actually, I have. Um, I do have a nice picture. Uh, oh. <laughs> yes, uh, on the opening ceremony, uh, or actually prior to the opening ceremony, there was an event going on, and he just happened to walk right in front of me, and... Uh, uh, I, I I handed him over a, a pin, a uh, commemorative pin, uh, and sh- he shook my hand, gave me the thumbs up, and I I told him that I well I, I thanked him for being the founder of these games because it has helped me. Mm-hmm. Well, isn't that nice? I mean, it's always nice when you actually get to meet the person, you see, follow their Instagram accounts and things like that. And you always wonder, well, at least certainly I wonder, what are they really like? It sounds like he's quite a wonderful person and you had a, a, a photograph with him. If you had, I mean, we only have a minute or so left and I'm sorry I've left this to the last minute, but there are people out there who are in the situation that you were in, um, maybe just with a recent disability or surgery wondering what's next for them how do they turn the corner what advice would you give them that there is support out there that uh, sometimes you do have to go find it uh, to, 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 to receive um, resources uh, for equipment support for activities it, it does exist it does require some effort to, to, to find it uh, which in my case uh, I, I did, and I, I've been successful in finding different resources and funding grants. All those exist. Yes, your life does change, and luckily I am well supported uh, by my family and my spouse in dealing with daily life challenges. For anyone out there, uh, it's to reach out, and there there are people there willing to help. That is so well said. Patrick, it's been so nice talking to you. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you very much. That is Major Patrick Levy, who uh, was a Canadian infantryman and served in many parts across the country, served in Bosnia in 2001, twice in Afghanistan, and has been a recent competitor in a range of sports as part of Canada's 2022 Invictus Games team that you know just came back from The Hague and did a remarkable job talking to us despite a lot of traveling and a lot of sports that preceded that. Well, that is all the time we have today 
it's been a bit of a marathon here on the program, but we've got to wrap up. We are at the finish line, as it were. I'd like to thank uh, Nisreen Abdul-Majid, who is our technical producer, always keeps us tight on time. And, of course, is the sole reason the show gets on air. So thank you, Nisreen. And Andy Frank is our manager for AMI Audio. Thanks a lot for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.